0: Welcome to the Devoted City Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit DevotedCity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. So today is about baptism. It's about what baptism is and what it means and how it was talked about in the New Testament. If you have questions about baptism, I think I'm going to answer most, if not all, of those questions today. Now, I know when I talk about baptism, uh, there's probably three groups of people in this room. There's the group of people who uh, you've never obeyed Christ. You're still just coming to church. You're still not sure uh, if this is the direction you need or want in life, but something keeps drawing you back, and you've never said yes to making Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you just call us up online and watch sometimes and you're just not sure about making commitment to Christ and you haven't done that yet. And we want those people. And if you're in that group, we want you at our church. We want you to be a part of what we're doing because it's through Christ that you'll find the freedom you've never found and the forgiveness you seek and the peace and hope that you always wanted. So that's some people in the room. There's another group of people that, You follow Jesus, uh, you're committed to Christ, you've claimed him as Lord of your life, uh, you submit to him as Lord, you believe the Bible's true, and yet you have not taken that step of faith and obeyed his command and followed the examples in the New Testament of everybody that followed Jesus and been baptized. Maybe uh, you just haven't gotten around to it. Maybe you haven't fully understood what it is. Maybe you have a background that did not emphasize it Uh, in in the way that we do and so I would encourage you today to consider taking that step and following Christ fully and being baptized and then for the rest of you you're in a group that's like yep done that done that been following Jesus love it well this is your refresher it's not a time to check your email or browse social media This is your refresher to help you understand better what you did and how to share with someone else what it takes to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So this message is for everybody. You know, when I think about things that I'm good at uh, and I understand, the list is a lot smaller than I think it's going to be. So, if you think about what are you good at and what do you understand, there's just things that some of us understand better than others, and some of us need more explanation. Like, if you're an engineer and your mind thinks like an engineer and you're really good at math, I admire you. Like, I'm not good at math, it doesn't come natural to me. I had to take it three times in college to get through anything. And then it was like, I think a liberal arts degree is the direction for my life because I just couldn't do that stuff. Now, I can do other stuff maybe you can't do, but I admire people who are uh, wired like that and can think like that because uh, the rest of us need you. Uh, We need to be able to ask you questions and you have to help us like balance checkbooks and all that kind of stuff and save money or we'd never do it. And we appreciate you. Well, today's stop in this series uh, follow, last week was about a guy that asked Jesus what it took to follow him, and Jesus essentially said, Full, complete, total surrender. Uh, this week, Jesus has a conversation with a guy about being born again, and he doesn't understand it. Jesus tells him to be born again, and yet he doesn't get it and he doesn't understand it. And so Jesus continues to give details to him until he gets it and understands it. The story is recorded in John chapter 3, and the guy's name is Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a Jew who was a Pharisee who was part of the ruling council of Jerusalem. He was a pretty important guy, and this really important guy started to uh, hear Jesus teach. He was drawn into it, and the words Jesus was saying started to pierce his heart, and he wanted to know more probably a lot like all of us who can recall the time when the words of Jesus first started to change us. Anybody remember that? You first started to listen and you first thought, is that like real, for real? I can be forgiven and I can have peace and I can have hope that I've never had before and, and I can put all this sin behind me and now I've, I've got this relationship with Christ that helps me through my sin. And when we start to realize that, uh, like light bulbs start going off. And that's what's going on with Nicodemus. And so the story starts in John chapter three, beginning at verse one, where it says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, Jesus is not just talking about heaven. The kingdom of God refers to God ruling and reigning in the hearts of people through Christ. So what he's saying is, unless you have this radical transformation in your life where you are born again, you will never experience the kingdom of God. Now, it was hard for Nicodemus to understand this. One, he was the member, a member of the Jewish ruling council. That was a very legalistic group of believers in God. They were all Jewish, and they had a very legalistic view of everything God said. So, you know, we've heard of the Ten Commandments. There's actually 613 commandments. just doesn't fit as nice on a wall. So there's 613, but then they had more on top of that that interpreted the 613. And in that, they ended up with more rules to make sure they didn't break the rules. It's called a hedge around the law. So they had the law that came from God, and then they built a hedge around it to make sure that people wouldn't break the law of God. So God said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, that was a command to the Jews to remember the day. It was Saturday, Sabbath, keep it holy. So then they made rules on what keeping it holy meant, which was you can't walk more than 1,000 yards. They debated uh, if your baby needs to be picked up on the Sabbath, are you working when you pick it up because you can't work? How much can you cook? How much should you prepare ahead of time? Can you even eat on the Sabbath? And so they were upset with Jesus a lot because he was healing people and doing good things on the Sabbath. And the reason they were upset is because based on their interpretation and their own laws, that you couldn't do anything that was perceived as work on the Sabbath. They had rituals, how the the sequence in which you were supposed to wash your hands and how and what you were supposed to eat. And Nicodemus was a part of that. And then Jesus says, you need to be born again, which a better translation would be, and wouldn't make as much sense to us. You need to be born from above. And he's talking about, you need to experience this spiritual rebirth. Now, this confused Nicodemus. So much so, his response in verse 4 is this. How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. So he's confused because he's hearing Jesus say, wherever you are, you need to be renewed. You need to be born again. And he just doesn't get that because from the time Nicodemus was a little boy, he was a Jew. And the way you got in the kingdom of God as a Jew is you were born. You were just born You're part of of God's chosen nation, chosen people. uh, And you can read all about that in the Old Testament. You were born. And then at some point in your life, someone would pull you aside. And they usually did it uh, when a child was very young. And as soon as they could comprehend conversation, they would start to tell them, look, you were born into this family. So you need to know the Lord. Because God chose us. And because you were born, you are chosen. That's what they would hear. But then Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 here's what needs to happen. You need to be born again. Nicodemus should not have been surprised at that because there's an Old Testament prophecy that talked about the change that was gonna be coming in Christ. It's in Jeremiah 31 where it says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. See, that's how you got to know the Lord. You were born physically And then at some point, somebody would say, hey, you're you're an Israelite, you're Jewish, you need to know the Lord because you were born into this thing. You were born into this chosen nation. And Jeremiah says, they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So while Nicodemus is struggling with comprehending what it means to be reborn, He's also realizing that what Jesus is saying is this, the way you were born is no longer valid. You need to be born again. That didn't work now. My forgiveness is available to everybody who wants to go through this spiritual rebirth and know me. So he's saying you can be born again. See, when you know the Lord and you receive his forgiveness, accept him as Lord and leader of your life, you're born again from a spiritual perspective. And then Jesus explains it to him a little deeper. He says, it says, Jesus, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to to the spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So Jesus is just given a contrast between a physical birth, but then the spiritual birth that's referred to as being born again. Jesus is referring to this Miracle that takes place, the divine miracle that takes place in our hearts, inside of us, when we fully submit all that we have to Him, when we fully surrender all that we are and obey Him, we are born again from a spiritual perspective. It's not about a physical act, it's a spiritual rebirth. Now remember, Nicodemus is a legalist. He thinks you're saved before God because you do the right things, because you follow the right rituals and rules. And here's the thing about legalists. If you've ever known a legalist, I wanna say, hey, give me a show of hands if you've known a legalist, but I'm not gonna do that. If if you've ever known or been in an environment where You had to struggle with religious legalism. There is no forgiveness. There are no second chances. You get it right the first time or you don't get it. You die with a prayer on your lips and Jesus on your heart, or it's like smoking section for eternity. And if you top a hill and there's a car and you're gonna hit head on, you better have a prayer. Because if you die, you're gone. That's legalism, because you haven't measured up. Legalism puts people in a place where they feel like they never measure up and are never good enough. You will never be good enough, but God's grace forgives us because he's good enough. That's why we can all be born again and have his salvation applied to us. But Nicodemus doesn't understand that because he is stuck in this life of legalism and feeling like he measures up before God because he obeys the right things and does the right things and, and, and does everything perfect. And then Jesus responds, trying to bring him some clarification with the verse that the NFL made famous, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but save the world through him. Why is this verse so well known? Because in those couple sentences, it it captures what Jesus is all about. It captures that he calls everyone to follow him. It doesn't matter what country you were born in. It doesn't matter what family you were born in. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you've done or what ethnicity you are or how tall or short or anything you are or how perfect you are. Here's who Jesus calls to him. Everybody. Nobody gets left out. And eternal life is not just in the future. We can enjoy eternal life now as we live and move in the kingdom of God here on earth. So Jesus told him, gotta be born again. You have to do that because I'm giving my life for the world. And if you believe in me, you're born again and you'll have everlasting life. That's why Jesus came to earth. And then he goes on to say this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Doesn't get much more simple than that. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So being born again means you believe it. And when you truly believe in Jesus and you allow him to be Lord of your life, you obey what he says to do. I mean, Jesus said himself, The purpose for me coming was not to condemn. So since we know people are gonna be condemned, what condemns them? Well, Jesus said, refusal to believe in him. That's where condemnation comes from. It's when people love darkness more than they love light. Here's what all followers of Jesus have to understand. There will be people who are separated from God for all eternity, everybody's not going to heaven. That's what Jesus taught. It's what the New Testament teaches. Is what the writers of the New Testament taught. Everybody, just because they get to the end and say, put it there, Jesus, you're awesome. That doesn't mean they're gonna spend eternity with him when they did nothing on earth to live in the light. And it's really unpopular today to draw a line like that, but that's what Jesus did. There are people that live in the light and will be saved, people that live in darkness and love it and will be condemned. And when we realize that, hopefully it stirs something inside of you, follower of Jesus, that says, I need to let people know this because I want as many as possible to come with me to live in the kingdom of God, not just now, but for all eternity, And if you don't believe people are gonna be lost without Jesus, then why are you following him in the first place? There will be lost people. And it's tragic and it's sad, but Jesus said, people will love darkness more than they love the light. And people will be condemned, not by Jesus, but by their own actions and own beliefs. Everybody has the choice. And it's so much more than just like fire insurance. Like it's the choice that we can follow Jesus and we're in the kingdom of God now. And here's what the kingdom of God now does for me. Every weakness, every temptation, every feeling that's not aligned with the gospel of Christ that I have in my life, now you have somebody to help you with it. That's Jesus. That's his Holy Spirit. If you've ever been told to get your act cleaned up before you come to Jesus, you were told a lie. If you could conquer your sin without Jesus, why would you need Jesus? We need Jesus to help us conquer the sin in our lives and he walks with us as we struggle with it. There's a difference in sinning and loving darkness. Sinning is... I want to be like Christ. I want to align myself with Christ. I have weaknesses and I make mistakes and I sin and I mess up. There's forgiveness for that. There's a big difference in that and saying, I'm in the dark and I love the dark. Why don't you come over here in the dark with me? It's a lot more fun and I'm just going to live like this. And I don't care what Jesus, the Bible, or anybody else says, I'm going to stay in the dark. That's very different than saying, come to Jesus with all your sin on you that you have. He's the one that forgives it. He's the one that gets rid of it and you can be born again. That's the gospel. So what happened to Nicodemus? He's referred to in John chapter seven and John chapter 19. when When he spoke to a group of unbelieving Pharisees and tried to convince them not to seize Jesus. He was also involved with Jesus's burial to make sure Jesus had a proper Jewish burial. It doesn't say, and then Nicodemus was born again, but it sounds like he probably was. It sounds like he ended up believing in Jesus. We don't know, there's no recording of it, but he was involved somehow at the later part of Jesus's life. And then we have the rest of Jesus's story, clearly defined one of the last things Jesus said to his apostles was this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. This is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. To the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So I'm gonna go through eight instances, the only eight instances in the book of Acts, that's when the church began, uh, where people accepted Christ and baptism is recorded right there with their accepting of Christ. Where people believed, they confessed Christ, they repented of their sins and they followed him and they were baptized. Now, the word baptism, uh, you don't really use that outside of a church uh, setting or some kind of a religious setting, and here's why. When the Bible was translated from Greek into English, the word uh, baptism is, is what's called a transliteration. It means that they made up an English word as they were translating to better Make sure, to make sure people understood what baptism was. And the Greek word is pronounced baptizo. Sounds just like it. Baptizo means to plunge, to make fully wet, to immerse. That's what it means literally. They would use the word in Greek culture uh, if, if they were dyeing a cloth from one color to another, they would have said baptizo. So they put it under the water and bring it back out and it's a different color. It was a very common word. It just means to immerse. Now, we don't use that word very often. It could easily say, uh, go immerse people in my name, just like Jesus said, Matthew 28. Uh, But they transliterated and decided, we need to make up an English word so we make sure people understand what this concept of baptizo is. Because at the time, baptism was used as you know, just kind of sprinkling some water on someone. And so in Greek and in Hebrew, there are, there are words for sprinkling or pouring and it's not baptizo. Baptizo means to fully immerse. And so that's what baptism means. And so when you hear that, just know it's a transliterated word that was applied into the English language so people would understand it means to immerse. In Acts chapter two, we read the first sermon that was ever spoken about, uh, that ever referred to the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Acts chapter two, Peter speaks it and people were feeling a little bit what Nicodemus was feeling. Hey, I need to know more. What do I need to do? And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, For the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And a few verses later, it says those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. That must have been a powerful message. 3,000 people to say, I don't have that. I want that. I got to do that. So here I am. I believe now I'm going to take this first step of my faith and I'm going to be baptized. Now, there's several others in the New Testament and I'm going to go really fast through them. But if you're, if you're like sitting there like, should I get baptized? Should I get baptized? Just take pictures of the screen as I go through these scriptures. In Acts chapter 8, People were following this false teacher named Simon, who was a sorcerer who performed magic tricks. And he amazed them, and so they followed him. But then the apostles showed up and they started to tell these people about Jesus. One of Jesus' apostles, Philip, told them, Don't believe this. Let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you about real power. Let me tell you about something that's really supernatural. And they heard the gospel presented. And it says this, but when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So they believed, they followed it up with baptism. And even Simon, the sorcerer, it says Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he'd follow Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Next episode, Acts chapter eight, verse 35 There's an Ethiopian that uh, was studying God's word. He was being drawn to God's word. Philip shows up. He's got questions. I can't understand this unless somebody explains it to me. You may have people in your life that don't understand the gospel. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to explain it to them like Philip did. Philip explained it. He accepted and listen what happened. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water and Philip baptized him. So that would have been the Greek word baptizo, which means to, uh, to plunge or make fully wet. So somewhere along the way he believed. And then we read about the, the apostle Paul, who used to be called Saul, who met Jesus as he was a sinner trying to hurt the church and imprison Christians. And Jesus appeared to him, and when Jesus appeared to him, it blinded him, and he was told, go to this guy named Ananias, and he's going to tell you what you need to know, and that's recorded in Acts chapter 9. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, also Paul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And then it was forever part of Paul's story. I met Jesus, I believed in him, and this guy Ananias told me the full gospel story and I was baptized. And then in Acts chapter 10, there are these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people who loved God they have the Holy Spirit in them. And the apostle Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And then the next one, this is when somebody's heart was open to the gospel and here's how They responded. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, which would have been the gospel. When she and the members of her household were ba- when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, "Come and stay at my house." Her heart was open, and then she believed and she was baptized. Paul and Silas, two of Jesus' disciples, two of of his apostles, uh, they got put in prison for speaking about Jesus. They prayed. They were singing hymns to God while they were in prison. The jailer was wondering, what is wrong with these people? This earthquake happened. The door flew open. They didn't escape. The jailer thought they were going to escape, so he was just going to kill himself. They said, don't do that. And then he wanted to know, why are you guys singing songs to God and praying and talking to me. When this door's open, you could run. It says this, he then brought them out. The jailer brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What he's saying is, what do I have to do to get what you have? You've got peace in the middle of a difficult time and you're like, what do I need to do? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, they took them and washed their wounds Then immediately, he and his household were baptized. Another time, Paul was preaching in the synagogue that Jesus was the Messiah. And the synagogue, it says the synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Then they go to the city of Ephesus. They told him the gospel. They told him to believe. And Acts 19 says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then in In the book of Romans, the apostle Paul is reminding the church at Rome what they did when they accepted Christ. He's giving them a reminder. Hey, you can't just sin, do whatever you want, just because you say, well, uh, hey, I love that Jesus deal where he forgives all my sins, so I'm going to just rack it up. I'm going to do it all the time, and that way he'll just forgive me. And Paul's saying, no, you don't sin because you're saved. And then he says... Hey, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we'll also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So, baptism is this symbol of us dying to sin and being raised to walk in new life, being reborn. Baptism, the act, identifies you with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It, it symbolizes our own resurrection from a sinful life. Now, here's some other New Testament references to baptism. If you want to take a picture of that, take a look at it later. Because when it comes to baptism, there are two extremes. One extreme says, being dunked in the water is what saves you. And baptism saves you. There's people that believe that and teach that. Being dunked in the water does not save people. Faith is what it takes to believe in Jesus. Faith is what it takes to obey Jesus, and it's obedience to Christ that saves people. Now, there's another extreme view that says, you know, baptism is essential. It's just optional. You you don't have to do it. Just whenever you get around to it is fine. I've read the Bible a lot, cover to cover, and I haven't found the optional commands of Jesus yet. They're not in there. There's not like, hey, these are optional. You don't have to do this one if you don't want to do this one. Uh, But there are people that believe and teach that. Like, it has nothing to do with you coming to know Jesus, it has nothing to do with your salvation. It's not optional. Biblical view, the biblical view is that baptism is an act of obedience for all who follow Christ. There isn't one example in the New Testament church where someone said, yes, I believe in Jesus and they weren't baptized, not one. Now, if you've read your Bible, you might be thinking, what about that thief on the cross? Now, that was before the church began. So we'll back up before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus had the power on earth to forgive sins like that. And yes, was the guy on the cross saved that was a criminal and said, Jesus, remember me? Yes, he was saved. But then when the church was established in Acts chapter 2, there is no recording of someone believing in Jesus and not following that up with baptism. And here's what we have to understand. It is God who grants salvation to people. We don't do that. I don't have a bunch of salvation chips somewhere to say, hey, I got something to hand out today. That's not up to me. That's up to God. My responsibility is to teach you what the Bible says. And so that brings up some common questions about baptism. And the first one, is it essential? Is it optional? Is it necessary? Yes, no, yes. That's the answer to that. Yes, it's essential. How could something that Jesus said to do not be an essential thing that we need to do? How could it be optional? How could it not be necessary? What if I was sprinkled as a baby? That's a big one. Maybe you have that one. I was sprinkled as a baby. Here's what you need to understand. Your parents, if you were sprinkled as a baby, you didn't crawl on down there to the church and get that done by yourself. Somebody took you, somebody prayed over you and your parents or grandparents or whoever took you to that ceremony wanted you to be raised to know Jesus Christ. That's why they had you sprinkled is because they wanted you to be raised to know Jesus. That's not an evil thing. That's not a bad thing for them to do. It's similar to when we say, hey, you you got a baby, you got a child, they've never been dedicated to the Lord. Come on, we will go through a baby and child dedication ceremony with you. It's similar to that. It's not biblical baptism, because baptism means that someone has made a decision to follow Jesus, and then they're immersed, in water to show their death, burial, and resurrection to sin and to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So that's what baptism is. But you don't have to degrade what your parents did to you or criticize it. Just take the next step because they would have prayed for you to grow up to know Jesus. And then when you find out, well, to know Jesus, I also need to obey him consciously and baptism's included in that. So if you were sprinkled as a baby, great job by your parents. Great job to take you before the Lord and say, we want this child to grow up to know Jesus. But now it's time for you to make a decision because of your faith in Christ. So what if you've been following Jesus and you haven't been baptized? Then get baptized. <laughs> Just get baptized. I, I can't say any more about that one. Let's do it. What if I was baptized and I haven't been living out my faith and I want to be baptized again? And that this question gets asked a lot because a lot of people, especially if you grew up going to church, you were baptized, but all you remember is people around a campfire and there was crying and music and other people, or your friends were getting baptized and you just did it. And now you're, you know, 30, 40 years later going, I don't even remember what I was thinking. I don't know what I was obeying. I know it was emotional. I'm sure about that. We all cried. We hugged. You know, we committed our lives to be friends till the day we die and we all got baptized. And if you just can't remember like, well, did it have an effect in my life? Well, of course get baptized. But you don't have to go get baptized every time you reach a new understanding. Baptism symbolizes you are in Christ and you're a new creation. And you can do that today. Why wait? If you're online, go to a church somewhere if you're not in our town. If you're in our town, just come find us. We'll baptize you today, right now. Just let us know in the chat and we'll do that. If you're here in either of our rooms, here's an opportunity you have. We're gonna show a video of a mother-daughter who have made the decision to follow Christ in baptism. They're gonna be baptized in the 1115 service here at our North Raleigh campus. But you're gonna hear their story. We're gonna sing a song and you've got that video and you've got that song to think about, am I ready? And then what you do, if you're at our Cary campus, just come up to the front. There'll be people here to meet you. If you're at our North Raleigh campus, go right through that door back there on that side of the auditorium, and you'll get a t-shirt, and you'll get shorts, and we've removed every possible obstacle uh, that you could have, and you can be baptized today before we leave here. And if you're struggling with, I do not want to get up in front of all those people, and they're going to put a camera on me, and I'm going to be up on the screen in front of everybody, and I don't look good in a t-shirt. I don't feel like I look good in a t-shirt. I don't want to do that because I'll be embarrassed. Just wait till everybody's gone, then come down front and say, hey, I'm one of those people, here's my family, I wanna be baptized. You don't have to do it in front of a big crowd, but it sure does encourage everybody when they get to see you take that next step. So you have an opportunity to do that over the next few minutes as we hear this story and as we sing this song together, let's pray. God, thank you for these clear scriptures that teach us that we obey you. And Father, for the people in the room right now that have been prayed for, as these rooms have been prayed over, I pray your Holy Spirit works in them and they finally take that step and obey you and fully follow you and get baptized today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church Podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at devotedcity.com.